Pastor Xavier Reese, taking note of the unfolding program of God. God gave uh, to several kings from Nebuchadnezzar sufficient evidence for their witness and testimony about the God of Daniel. God has always made himself known throughout history, is in full control, even though the affairs of the world are often out of control. Uh, through the years, you've heard me use the phrase, God's not biting his nails. He's on the throne. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Tornadoes, earthquakes, and floods are recognized by the courts as acts of God, and as such are excluded as the responsibility of the insurer as written in the fine print of many insurance policies. However, coming up, Pastor Xavier says that we would be well advised to take note of the simple truth, that while God is indeed in full control of His unfolding divine will, man, on the other hand, is in fact responsible for his actions all the while. Let's listen. The book of Daniel is the backbone of prophecy, revealing to man clearly that God is in full control, even though the affairs of the world are often out of control. Uh, through the years, you've heard me use the phrase, God's not biting his nails. He's on the throne. We're going to see we're right on time and schedule. And God gave uh, to several kings from Nebuchadnezzar sufficient evidence for their witness and testimony about the God of Daniel. God has always made himself known throughout history, not only to the people of God, but to other rulers that were not Jewish. So what we want to do is look at the testimony of two kings regarding the God of Daniel in these first six chapters, which results in four miraculous events. But it's their very words about the God of Daniel. So as we've gone through the first six chapters, I want to pull these four things out and let's examine them. These are the four. The interpreting of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. And there's just a few verses each. Secondly will be the rescuing of the three Hebrew youths from the fiery furnace in chapter 3, verse 28 through 29. And thirdly, the reestablishing of Nebuchadnezzar on his throne after God humbled him to live with the animals, chapter 4, verse 34 to 37. And fourth and last, the delivering of Daniel from the lion's den, chapter 6, 25 through 27. Let's begin here in chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. The interpreting of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar is the context. Let me read here. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrated before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal these secrets. Now, notice Nebuchadnezzar confessed he was before one greater than himself, Daniel. This is a pagan king. Keep this in account all along. Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. He put his face to the ground. For a man like Nebuchadnezzar, ruthless man, complete authority to put his face to the ground, something's happening. Now, he's giving respect to Daniel. He's giving honor to Daniel. 
And Nebuchadnezzar prostrating himself here before Daniel, he is giving homage to the excellent ability that he has to interpret the dream opposed to the magicians, the soothsayers, the necromancers, all those. He understands what's happening during this time. None of his soothsayers could give that, but the God of Daniel, through Daniel, did. This placed Daniel in a priestly representative position of his God. He's a pagan king. Daniel's like the shaman, the witch doctor between the people and the God, the priests of the pagans between their God and that, just like the Jews had the high priest who was the go-between their God and them. And so here, Nebuchadnezzar understands this. He's got a pagan mind. Nebuchadnezzar, notice, commanded that they should present an offering of incense to him, and the command was the visible evidence of the genuineness of his respect and honor. He's not playing games. He understands what, what has happened here. None of his wise men could do what Daniel did. This is a pagan practice. The man Daniel is not allowing worship of himself as some liberal critics share. The words of Nebuchadnezzar reveal this clearly in the next verse. Daniel had no part. This is the pagan king doing what he does and the pagan world does. Now notice, still in 46, Nebuchadnezzar confessed the God of Daniel to be superior to his gods. Now these are the words of these kings. The king declared that the God of Daniel was the head of gold. Truly, your God is the God of gods. Nebuchadnezzar was declared to be the head of gold by God. But in all reality, who's the real head of gold? It's God. He's the absolute ruler. Not Nebuchadnezzar, but yet God had declared him to be because of the time of the Gentiles. Nebuchadnezzar declared Daniel's God was absolute ruler of all gods with a small g. Take note of that. No one could overrule him. No one could undermine him. Nebuchadnezzar declared that Daniel's God was sovereign with unrestrained authority. Nebuchadnezzar's confession was not for salvation at this point. Take note of that. He's merely adding the God of Daniel to his many gods. He's still polytheistic at this point, only giving Yahweh the supreme first position. And it is amazing that you and I will encounter people through our lives as Christians, people who will acknowledge absolute truths about the God of the Bible, yet they will never be born again. And, and, and by listening, you think they're Christians. They're not Christians. That'll happen. The king, notice, declared that the God of Daniel was the master of earthly kings, the Lord of kings. Nebuchadnezzar declared Daniel's God was the absolute authority over all kings. Now, he knew absolute authority as the head of gold. But he realized that God is the one who allows this. And, and this is something that as God dealt with him, he understood. The word Lord there means in the sense of domineering control. The one who not only has the authority, but the power to act as master and as owner. Notice Nebuchadnezzar declared Daniel's God allows the earthly kings to reign. Recognizing his position 
was by the hand of the God of Daniel. He revealed the whole dream and interpretation. God had allowed him. He began to declare the time of the Gentiles. Recognizing all other earthly kings were reigning by the direction of the God of Daniel. As we see the world and we look at different aspects of history and we, we and often the question is, well, what would happen if, if this would have happened or if that would have happened at World War II, World War I? Well, it didn't happen because God's on the throne. We're going to see that we're right on schedule. The king declared that the God of Daniel was able to know the future and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret. Again, this is, this is a testimony of a pagan king. Nebuchadnezzar declared Daniel's God was able to make known to man what had not yet taken place. The rulers of the world have always wanted this window, be it through some priest or some shaman or whatever it may be. Whoever can tell the future can control the world. The word secret means hidden mysteries. God revealed to Daniel, as you know, the interpretation and the dream, both. And so Nebuchadnezzar gave the reason, don't miss this, for this statement, a pagan king, since Daniel could reveal this secret. Daniel revealed this secret, the dream and the interpretation. All the wise men, all the magicians, all the astrologers, all the soothsayers, not one, revealing this was the start of the Gentiles, the head of gold, and that he was there by appointment. Yet God didn't force him to make decisions or to act. And this is what drives us crazy. That God is in control, but he gives man a free will, yet his free will will never alter the purposes and decrees of God. That just drives us absolutely crazy. And so we try to think it out logically, and we can end up with a wrong assessment of God and what predestination is. Revealing to the king the kingdoms to follow until God establishes his own eternal kingdom on the earth. From the head of gold, to that stone cut not with hands that strikes the image at the feet, it crumbles, and the whole stone grows into a mountain until it overtakes the whole earth, the kingdom. Now, you remember Pharaoh. Pharaoh's witness was of miracles there in Egypt. Yet, what he did is harden his heart against God and the people of God. He witnessed all kinds of miracles, but he hardened his heart. So there are people that will have evidence of God and they will give a testimony. But their heart will not be open to God. It baffles our mind. Many people like that are in church every Sunday. This is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar about the God of Daniel after he received the dream and interpretation. Now notice, secondly, we go to chapter 3. Verse 28 through 29, the rescuing of the three Hebrew youths from the fiery furnace. 
In verse 28 to 29, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Notice verse there in 28, Nebuchadnezzar exalted the God of the three Hebrew Jews here who were cast into the fiery furnace. This is no light matter. This is a literal account, historical account, and a real miracle. The king blessed the God of the three Hebrew youths there, having witnessed with his own eyes the protection from and the preservation through the fire. The word blessed simply means to praise to speak well of someone. This once again was acknowledging the power and ability of the God of the Jews over his own like the first time in chapter 2 and 47. Now, he's still not born again here, so to speak. <laughs> he's still a pagan. God is dealing with him. And God will deal with some people because he knows they're going to respond. And God will deal with other people knowing he's not going to respond. But God always initiates and always gives people a chance so when he judges them, they have no excuse. For if God did not give you an opportunity to respond, then how can he judge you against the rejection of the response? You would not be rejecting a response. So your destiny of eternity does not fall in the hands of God, but it falls on your own hands. For God died for the whole world. And he will give you at least one chance. This may be it. This may be the tenth. This may be the last. I don't know. Certainly the two thieves on the cross, it was the last. Both heard the same thing. Each made a decision. Both entered eternity, one with God, one separated from God. It wasn't the fault of Jesus. Real simple. Now, notice the king blessed the God of the three Hebrew young men for having sent his angel to rescue them. Who sent his angel to deliver his servants. The word angel, as you know, means simply a messenger. Yeah, angels have a, their abode and, and their place to serve God in heaven, they are ministering spirits of the earth of salvation. In Hebrews 1.14, there's various ranks of angels. There's cherubim, seraphims, regular angels, archangels, a whole slew of different order of angels, regular angels. And um, the angel was the fourth person in the fire, remember. They had thrown in three into the furnace. He saw with his own eyes. This is his own testimony. The king said, the fourth is like the son of God, referring to the pagan gods, not the Jesus, back in verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar knew nothing about the Trinity. He's not implying the son of God here. He's talking about gods from the pagan perspective. Now, this could very, very well be a Christophany, the appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament prior to the incarnation. We often uh, see that through the title, the angel of the Lord. Um, this could be, we're not sure. Now, the king noticed, blessed the God of the three Hebrew young men for his faithfulness to their faith in their God. Again, this is a testimony of a pagan king at this point who trusted in him, 
The three trusted God to be faithful if they would not bow to the image and worship it according to the edict of Nebuchadnezzar. They knew the word of God. They knew they were in captivity due to idolatry. The three trusted God in delivering them by the fire and through the fire. Now, they did not know which would be the one. Sometimes God delivers a Christian by the fire. He takes them home. Sometimes God delivers a Christian through the fire. They didn't know which God was going to do. I don't always know how God's going to get me through things. I know he'll do it one way or the other, but I don't know. They found out while being cast in the midst of the fire what God decided. And sometimes God will say, I'll let you know what I'm going to do when we're in the fire together. We're going to go through the fire. I'm not going to deliver you from the fire. I'm going to take you through the fire first. Notice Nebuchadnezzar there in 28 exalted the God of the three young Jews for their commitment to their God. The king declared the three Hebrew young men refused to obey the decree even to the loss of their lives. Again, he is admiring these individuals and the God that they serve. They lived what they believe. It says they frustrated the king's words, meaning to change or to alter. They did this by not obeying the decree. That's how they altered the king's words. Even if they would have died. So they altered the king's words by not bowing, by not worshiping, and by not being slain through the fire. They did this at the cost of having their bodies cast into the fire in that furnace. Notice ready to be delivered from this world, yielding their bodies, ready to see if God would deliver them through and out of the fire. Notice the king in verse 28 still declared the Hebrew young men here, three of them, had made clear the reason for their not bowing to the image. So the pagan king gives you the reason why he says that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. These servants of God would not serve any other God but Yahweh. These servants would not worship any other God but Yahweh. These servants would rather die than serve and worship any other God but Yahweh. And they demonstrated it. There was a time when we had objective truths, morals, and morality, right? Wrong. That is not so anymore. We live in relativism, situational ethics, value clarifications. We're in deep trouble. We have an objective truth as Christians. A green light's always green. It means go. Red light means stop. Now, why doesn't the world change those things? Why are numbers always the same? Why don't they change the numbers? No, they do it in terms of morality and spirituality. They're not stupid. They know exactly what they're doing. Indoctrinating, corrupting an entire generation. But that's the world. Now, look at 29. 
Nebuchadnezzar commanded the prohibition of defaming the God of the three young Jews. Incredible, this pagan king. The decree of prohibition was for the entire kingdom of Babylon. Mark it well. The authority is absolute. Therefore, I make a decree. Now, you know Nebuchadnezzar. He's a bad dude. Nobody messed with him. When he said jump, you, just, you didn't even ask how high. You just jumped. The references to any people, all the ethnic groups. The reference to nations refers to the nationalities within the kingdom of Babylon. He had conquered so many. The reference to language, it refers to that form of communication, whatever it may be, that they had come, uh, embraced and conquered. You talk about multicultural. Babylon was incredible. The decree of prohibition, notice, is very specific. The measure of the prohibition was in total in speaking anything amiss, meaning error, neglect, or abuse. You would find it hard to believe, but there are still laws on our law books that have never been struck down, like spitting on the sidewalk. That's against the law. Blaspheming God in public. People would get thrown in jail in our nation at one time. They've never been struck down. They're on the books. But it doesn't matter what's on the books. Nobody enforces any law anyway, so it doesn't matter. The matter was against the God of the three Hebrews. Notice that. This is a pagan king doing this. The decree of prohibition was joined by a severe consequence. The person would be cut in pieces, shredded by the sword. Now you know when Nebuchadnezzar says that, they wouldn't hesitate. The men of the uh, soothsayers, wise men, necromancers, all those couldn't tell. He said, kill him. They just started killing him right now. The person would have their house made as an ash heap, burned to the ground. Now, our society says that consequences don't work. Really? Well, why, why do you pay your bills? Or maybe you don't. If you don't, then you, you, you get consequences. <laughs> they take your stuff. Why do policemen give you a ticket? Because you're a good driver? If you love your children, why do you discipline them and correct them? Because consequences have a positive effect. Simple. The punishment was according to his heartless, unrestrained authority. He's a pagan king. The most powerful king in the world. Notice the decree had a very practical reason. Again, this is his words. The king declared there was no other God that can deliver like this, taking men out of the fire furnace, like this. The king was again recognizing the superiority of God, of the Jews, over his own gods. There will be some people that will witness for themselves the miraculous intervention of God on your behalf, and they will acknowledge it and even tell others, but they will not come to God. That is an amazing phenomenon. They will declare God, they will give witness to God, but they will never come to God. In fact, through their words, others will come to God, and they won't. The heart's the problem. 
this is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar about the God of Daniel after the rescuing of the three Hebrew Jews from the fiery furnace. Incredible testimony. Pastor Xavier Reese has been highlighting some significant events we've been covering in the life of Daniel to expose a God in control of a divine plan from beginning to end. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Of course, we've had to break only partway through this study, and if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy as well. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The God of Daniel. It's available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title to ask for is, The God of Daniel. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com